If anyone needs an outline tonight and you didn't get one, if you slip your hand up, we'll have Anthony stand up and get that for you. Anybody need a copy tonight? Are we good? Anybody need it? I think we're good, Anthony. You don't even have to go back there. Oh, you need one for yourself? All right, that will work. And so Luke chapter number 1, as we continue here into the New Testament. And um, well, one thing that was interesting when the health department was here, they walked through here and they're like, you, do you have church in here? And I just kept walking. I pretend like I didn't hear it. So then we talked about the school, didn't mention anything about the church. So because they need to stay out of church's business, the government does. They have no spot in God's house. And that's the truth. And so I just pretended to ignore it. And so they were very nice. And I'm grateful for them. And I thank them for their work and what they do. And so it was good. And I'm glad that we got through with that. We're in Luke chapter number 1. We're going to look at a few verses here tonight. And we've been looking at the Gospels, going through the books of the Bible. And now we're on the book of Luke. And um, we, let's start reading the first couple of verses. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now hold your place here. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be in the book of Acts, but go to Acts chapter number one real quick. I want you to see how basically Luke is part one and Acts is part two of what Luke wrote. And you say, well, how do we know that? Well, just look at the beginning, Acts chapter number one. Verse number one, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. The former treatise was the book of Luke. We see the name Theophilus mentioned again. Scholars, um, Bible commentators, preachers of all, who is Theophilus? Was he a person? Could be. But Theophilus means lovers of God. So it could be it was just written to the lovers of God. You'll notice something that's different about the book of Luke, different from the other books, is that it's the only one written by a non-Jew in the New Testament and a Gentile. We're grateful for that. We'll talk more about that tonight. But we looked at two weeks ago on Wednesday night, we looked at the book of Matthew and portrayed Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews, focused in on the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies and the book of Matthew, the goal of Matthew was written to the Jews. So it was trying to show the Jews that their king had come in Jesus Christ. And that all the Old Testament, all the prophecies that were made, were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You notice how they, there was a light, there was a star that was shone, shone bright. And how the wise men came from the east. And there was a verse that they that talked about in the Old Testament. I believe in the book of Numbers that explained that there was going to be a star. And then... We see the scribes looked, oh yeah, somewhere in Bethlehem, and we see all these prophecies fulfilled about Jesus, and it was to show the Jews that their king has come, and they missed it. The book of Mark was different in that it focused on Jesus as a servant. It was much less on his teaching, where the book of Matthew, a lot on teaching, but there in the book of Mark is more on his action, less on his thoughts, and more on the work that he did. I mentioned before that Matthew underscores what Jesus said, 
Mark emphasizes what he did. Luke reveals what Jesus felt. And John showcases who Jesus was. Really, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call them the synoptic Gospels because at the end of the day, they describe events from a similar viewpoint compared to the view of John as Jesus as God. And so tonight, we're going to look at Luke, a Savior for all people. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the time that we have to be here. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for this wonderful book. And I pray that you'd help us tonight as we give a brief overview of it. And I pray you'd be pleased and glorified with all that's said and done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to dive right in. Number one, the Gospel of Luke is the most complete narrative of the life of Jesus. It's the most complete narrative of the life of Jesus. The most chapters, longest book of the New Testament. And uh, twice as long as Mark and the total number of verses in it. So the Gospel of Luke's the most complete narrative of the life of Jesus. Number two, Luke is the first part, and I mentioned this already, of a two-volume set. Luke and Acts. Reading these two books together gives you more of a whole picture from basically Jesus and his life and how he lived, leading up to his death, his burial, his resurrection, and how the disciples continued on, how the church was established. And so sometime do that. I, I encourage you to do it sometime. Read the book of Luke, and as soon as you're done with Luke, go right into the book of Acts. And you'll see how they just go, they just go right together. And the whole Bible, it all goes. I understand that. We know the author of it all. But just do that sometime. I like to sometimes spice up my reading. I don't know if that's a good word for it, but I like to spice it up. So I'll read things. I'll do it in a different order. I'll do yearly Bible reading. And sometimes you just keep reading straight through. You need to break that up. I've done a chronological Bible, different things. But I like to just spice it up every once in a while. So if you don't like to spice things up, you like things the same all the time, then just do it how you normally do it. But the goal is that we do it, right? And then we spend time in the Word of God. Number three, when we think about Luke, it was written by Luke, and he was a highly educated medical doctor. If you look at the words that are used in the book of Luke, and if we were to take time and break out some of the Greek words, which we'd need Ryan up here if we are going to do that, but we're not going to do that tonight. But if you go through, he writes the best Greek of any New Testament writer. He uses many medical terms that no one else uses and aren't used in the other Gospels. And I love that, that God could use someone like Luke, a well-educated doctor, He could use John Mark, a guy who went on a missionary journey and then turned back. He could use a tax collector. God can, he could use a fisherman. Praise God that he can use anyone. He's looking for those who are available to him. So that's a good thing. And as Russ gets back, that was an amen. I haven't heard an amen in church in like months. So it's good to hear an amen in church and at a good spot too, Russ. It wasn't like me making fun of myself when you normally say amen. And so, but God uses the educated, the talented, the wealthy, the well-respected, the intellectual, and he uses the common guy. Praise God, he uses people. And um, we see in verse number two, it says, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. And um, you just, you read through here and you can just see so much 
great things. And we see that Luke was written. He was a highly educated medical doctor. Next, Luke was Paul's ministry companion. You know how last week we looked at John Mark and how he was Peter's companion? We see here that Luke was Paul's companion. In fact, you could read Colossians 4.14, Philemon verse 24, and 2 Timothy 4 verse number 11. And you could read through there, and it's kind of interesting too when you look at the Lord's Supper and how it's talked about in the book of Luke. Read in 1 Corinthians, where chapter 11, where it talks about the Lord's Supper, and see how they're almost identical, the exact words used in both. And so what it shows is, we know that the Scripture is given by inspiration of God, but we know that Luke spent a lot of time with Paul. And Paul, you spend a lot of time with somebody, he's going to rub off on you a little bit. And so, and so we see that, and so he was a companion of Paul's, and he was with Paul at different times. And also number five, Luke was a Gentile. And the goal of Luke, the book of Luke, emphasized that the gospel is not just for the Jew, but it's for everyone. And I'm so thankful for that. And if you go to Luke chapter number 3, and you look with me in verse number 6, Luke chapter number 3, in verse number 6, the Bible says, And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. You see that all flesh is mentioned there? And aren't you thankful for that? Christ came to save all sinners, all nations, all people. Praise God for that. Do you realize Luke is the only book, only four Gospels that gives the parable of the Good Samaritan? The Gospel reaching everyone? It's the only Gospel that talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. The genealogy that is found of Christ in the book of Luke goes back to Adam. You've got to remember, as we look at the Gospels, the book of Matthew, as we've talked about already, shows Jesus Christ as the King of the Jews. The book of Mark shows Jesus as the servant. The book of Luke shows him as the Son of Man. Shows the humanity of, the, of God. Think about that one there. Put that one into perspective. And think on that one real deep and hard. And it goes all the way back to Adam. Why? Because he came for all men. It establishes the fact that Christ has the legal and physical rights as king and Messiah. The story of Zacchaeus, is this found in the book of Luke? I love that story. I remember that song as a kid. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. How many of you know that song? Anybody? Oh, He climbed up in a sycamore tree. I always think of and you think about that, it's only found in the book of Luke. An unwanted tax collector, aren't you thankful that God wanted the unwanted? That he mattered to God? And don't ever lose sight of that. Everyone matters to God. There's not anyone that doesn't matter to him. And it's interesting, too, that instead of highlighting in the book of Matthew, when we look at the birth of Christ, the highlight of it is the Magi coming and worshiping him. Where you see here in the book of Luke, it highlights the shepherds. And they're coming to worship him. This is the book that tells us to go into the highways and hedges to compel them to come in. Only in the book of Luke, not found in Matthew, Mark, or John. It shows us the mercy that Jesus displayed on the cross for the dying thief. 
It's, and it's mentioned mostly here in the book of Luke. We just see a different light. We see the human side of God, and that's, that's just still mind-boggling every time I say it. And that's which leads us to number six. Luke, a medical doctor, focuses on the human side of Christ and his ministry. And when you think of a doctor, you think of details. Sometimes you see their notes. My mom was being sick lately and things. There's a nurse that comes out, that's come out to the house once a week. But the detailed notes that she writes down and everything, you can see how Luke is a doctor by how detailed he goes into Christ and all these different things. Twenty miracles are mentioned in the book of Luke, seven of which are only found in the book of Luke. There are 23 parables, and 18 of them are unique to the book of Luke and goes into great detail that the other Gospels just don't go into on those points. You say, well, why do some Gospels? Because that's how the Lord wanted it to be. And I'm so thankful. I'm, the Bible tells us that the world couldn't contain the books that could be written on Jesus, right? So I'm glad he at least gave us four different looks at the, all these things that took place. Because he could have given us one or none, but he gave us four. And I love studying anything that we can about the Lord. And what we see as we think about Jesus and the humanity of him, we think about, we see his feeling, his feelings. He was moved with compassion. There are many stories in the book of Luke about healing. Most detailed description of the events surrounding his birth and his childhood. There's more said here than in any of the other Gospels. And some scholars believe that Mary actually talked to Luke and got some of those details from her. I'm not going to say that's true because we go with Bible, not what some scholars say, but could possibly be. If you go with me to chapter number 4 of the book of Luke, I'll show you some of the key verses here. Luke chapter number 4, and look down at verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then go down to chapter 19, Luke 19. And go to verse number 10, Luke 19, verse number 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to deliver the captives. He came to recover the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who have been bruised. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Something that's interesting to note, and we talked a little bit about the King James Bible last week, you look at a lot of our modern versions, and Luke 19.10 isn't there. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That verse is gone, not even there. You say, why isn't it there? Well, they say some of the most reliable manuscripts. They're not the most reliable. And if you, I could give you more on that sometime. And maybe I will. But thank God for Jesus coming. Someone who cared about all people. You know, something that we see and as we read through the Bible, and you think about, you think about the Jews even. The Jews were not too privy to the fact 
of outsiders coming in. Remember, they're outsiders. We're God's people. But the book of Luke helps us realize something, that Jesus came for all people. He didn't just come for the Jews, but he did come for the Jews. But he came for the Gentiles as well. So thankful that he did. So thankful that he came and that he welcomes the outsider in. Give you a short outline for the book. It's not too hard. First of all, we see the introduction of John the Baptist and Jesus in chapter 1 through chapter number 3. And uh, you see some interesting things about John the Baptist and his birth and his mom and dad. And we see the angel talking to Mary. And uh, I, I think it's an amazing thing that Mary was willing to submit to God and to be the one to give birth to Jesus. Say, well, how hard? Do you think the ridicule that she had to go through? Really not knowing if her husband, what he would have done? What a good man Joseph was. Now, how many of you are going to believe? Hey, honey, I got pregnant. The Holy Ghost did it. Yeah, not many people are going to believe that. It's been 400 years since God had spoken, really. We've read that and know that. And yet she was, be it unto me according to thy word. What an attitude of submission to the will of God. And we see the introduction of John the Baptist and Jesus from chapter 1 through chapter number 3. We see then... Number two, we see Jesus' ministry of teaching and healing. Chapter four through chapter number nine. And actually, if you, after you write that down, his ministry of teaching and healing, go to chapter number nine and look down at verse number 51. It says, And it came to pass when the time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. We see this is where his ministry takes a turn. We see the Jesus journey to Jerusalem. Number two. I guess I said number two already, but whatever the numbers are, I don't know. I get off on the numbers. And so you know what I'm saying. You got the notes there. And if you don't, if you can't figure it out, neither one of us will figure it out tonight. You look tired. I'm not tired, but you guys all look tired. So Jesus' ministry of teaching and healing, then we see, and I love that how there in that verse, in verse 51, it says, And it came to pass when the time was come they should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew what was going to take place in Jerusalem. And he was going there to do what he came to do. So thankful he did. How many of us would try to, I, we probably would have tried to get out of it. Just don't go to Jerusalem. No, he put his face, he set his face, and he went for you and for me. And um, he, journey, he journeys to Jerusalem, we see from chapter 9 through chapter 19. And there's so much, there's so much in this section. And for sake of time, we can't go through all of it tonight. But it's a beautiful picture of the fact that the Christian life is a journey. And we see that all throughout there. We learn as we go. We participate as we learn, we grow as we follow, and we serve. And then we see Jesus' final week on earth from chapter 19 through chapter 24. His final week on earth, the end of chapter 19 through chapter number 24. 
I want to give you a quick thought tonight. I, last week I did it with John Mark, and I want to give you a quick thought. When we think of Luke and we think about the book of Luke, Luke focused a lot on the humanity of Christ and feelings. You see a lot of feelings and humanity throughout the book of Luke. I want you to see something with me the last chapter that could be an encouragement to you and I in our daily lives today because as, we, as I mentioned how we see that picture from chapter 9 through 19 of the journey, the, the Christian life is a journey. I want you to see some of the feelings that come about in the Christian life. I want you to go with me to chapter 24, last chapter. I want you to go with me, and we're going to read verse number 1. Luke 24, verse number 1. The Bible tells us, Upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Then you go down to verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. They came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You see how he drew near to them? I kind of like to see how they're just talking about everything that's happened. The struggles and everything, and Jesus just comes near them. He knows what they needed, when they needed it, every single time. We keep on reading here, and it says, But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk are you, and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they, they, that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? At the begin and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed and brake and gave to them, and their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? 
And they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and found that they were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Wow. Takes place three to four miles outside of Jerusalem. They're just, they're kind of sad. So why were they sad? Didn't they believe that he rose from the dead? They didn't know. They knew the tomb was empty. You know, and sometimes we like to give all of them a bad rap, like, I would have known. They, they knew him. They lived with him. They knew him better than, they knew him well. If they doubted, don't ever think that you would do any better. We wouldn't. But what we see and what I just want to give you, I just want to give you some little thoughts as we go through. The first thing is this. We see on that road, on the Emmaus Road, the disciples, these, um, these two here that were on this road, the first thing we see, they were discouraged. Or they, it was discouraging what they were dealing with. And the verse 17 told us, and, when he said, and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk? and are sad. Jesus could tell that there was something wrong. And you can tell when there's something wrong. There was a student today in Miss Caroline's class. I came in right after lunch. There was one of her students sitting in the room tonight. He was sitting at his desk, and he was, he was like passing out. I guess he played too hard at break. It was a little too hot for him. But you knew something was wrong, so I asked him what was wrong. And I think he just played a little too hard, had a little headache. Maybe the Jets jersey messed him up. Who knows what happened there? But Jesus could just tell. They were discouraged. You could just see they were sad. You could also see that they were disappointed. They were disappointed. Look down at verse number 21. It says, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. He talked about the third day. It's the third day. We thought this guy was going to be the guy. They were disappointed. There are times in the Christian life as we journey in this life that we get discouraged. There are times that we get disappointed. There are times where we're just confused. I don't know why I put ING on the end of all these. When I'm thinking back in the notes, I do not know why I did that. And so I got this one together late last night for Jay. And, but they were um, confused, or confusion. Verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company may us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. Man, they were discouraged. They were disappointed. They were confused. And look at verse 31. It says, And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he talked with us by the way, and while he opened us the Scriptures, they were comforted. Man, the Christian life, there's times of disappointment. There's times of discouragement. There's times where you just don't understand and you're a little confused. There's also some times of comfort. There's also times of victory. 
It said in verse 34, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. What changed discouragement, disappointment, confusion, to comfort, and victory? What changed? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What changed for these two on the road to Emmaus? The word of God and time with God. They had time with Jesus and they spent time in the word. Could you disagree with that right there? I don't think you can. Jesus didn't do a miracle here. He gave him a Bible study. The more of God's word that we know and we spend and understand, the more and the more time we spend with Jesus, the better we're able to walk through this life and the difficulties of this life. When Jesus Christ is revealed to you in his word, it will set your heart on fire. That's what it says. Didn't our hearts burn within us? God's word is alive, and it's a living thing, and it's able to cut through the complacency in our lives and bring great comfort in our lives. You know, we look today, and for seven months, coronavirus we look at an election three weeks from yesterday and all the craziness. We hear about a judge going through crazy questioning. Our world is crazy around us. And sometimes you look, as a Christian, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get disappointed. It's easy to get a little confused about things. What you need is Jesus and his word. I think I say it all the time. Get time with God. He will help you. That's, and I love he came to them on the road and he showed them in the scriptures. And man, when you're discouraged, when you're down, when you just don't understand, man, the word of God can stir and work in your life and take you from a place of disappointment, discouragement, confusion, and bring you to a place of comfort and victory. But it's through his word. Sad thing is, we've had tons of time over the past several months. You watching online tonight, or you sitting in the room here tonight, how's your walk with God? So, pastor, that's elementary level Christianity. It is. But let me ask you, how is your walk with God? One of the things I love teenagers, sometimes. But one of the things I do love about teenagers, they'll just be brutally honest. They will. They don't care what you think, anything else. We had a youth group a little bit ago, and some of them, a few weeks ago, I asked them, what do you want me to teach you on? What do you, and they're like, and several of them, we're 10th, 11th, 12th grade. We got to figure out life coming up how to find the will of God. So I'm like, all right, that's where we're going to go. 
So one of the things, one of the first lessons we did, I taught them, on, and it's about seeking God and just keep on bugging Him and bugging Him and seeking Him. If you seek Him, you'll find Him, right? That's what the Bible says. So I told them, any time that I've had a major decision or something in my life that I needed to do, minimum an hour in the Bible a day, hour in prayer every day. Minimum. So I told them, try to get one hour combined. If you're serious about it, do it. And I love the fact that the teenagers today, not one of them did it. They were honest about it, and then some of them did 30 minutes. 30 minutes? That's great per day. I couldn't, that's great. But they were honest. And you know what? One of the things, the nice things about being honest is I'm sure that's going to help them continue to get a little better with it. If I were to ask you tonight, how much time you spent with God this last week? Um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what any of us think. He already knows it. He does. I don't, what if so? Well, I wouldn't want anyone to know. I wouldn't want them to know how I am. There's only one who matters, and he already knows. Chris, let me just encourage you tonight. Get in the Word of God. The days that we live, we need God and His Word more now than ever. And man, as we struggle and some of these days get long and dreary, and as we go through life and all these things, the answer is the Lord. It's His book. It's those two as they were on the road to Emmaus. They, were, they just didn't know what was going on. Some, some ladies tell us that the, the tomb's empty. A couple of disciples go, it's empty. We don't know what to think of it. We're going to go for a walk. That's probably what I would have done. Go for a walk. They're sad on their walk. And Jesus comes to them. And he shows them from Moses, from the prophets. Hey, yeah, all that was me. It's going to be okay, guys. They go from discouragement and being sad to being victorious. Christ did rise from the dead. What gave him the confidence? The Word of God. That's what we need. Get in God's Word. Spend time with Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. Make it an important part of your life. And it's this wonderful thing that we see here in the book of Luke. The road to Emmaus isn't mentioned in the other Gospels. It's mentioned here. So thankful for each of the Gospels because they give us so much. Next week we'll look at the book of John. We got 